Our, our, our sermon today is pretty much going to be a repeat of everything we have already heard and everything we've already sung. Let, let's do this. Uh, last Sunday, if you got to listen uh, or were here or got to listen to the sermon, we, we read passages from Mark's Gospel in chapters 8, 9, and 10. And uh, I want to review just one, and let's, let's let our opening uh, scripture be this. Mark 8, verse 31. Mark 8, verse 31. And I'll be reading from the New King James Version today. And he, and the he here is Jesus, and he began to teach them, this was his disciples, and he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests, and scribes, and be killed, and after three days, rise again. Let's pray once again. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for this time. We give you thanks for your word. So pour out your spirit upon us today, Lord, and what we know not teach us, what we have not give us, perhaps most importantly, who we are not make us. For Christ's sake and in his name I pray. Amen. Amen. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things. We talked about this last Sunday. Must suffer, must be rejected, must be killed, and must rise again. And we talked about that little word must, that little article. That means these things are of necessity. These things are required. These things must happen. Why? Why must they happen? To accomplish or to complete the work that God the Father has sent His only begotten Son to do. In Mark 10, verse 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give His life a ransom for many. That's why the Creator of earth came to the this earth the earth he created not not that he would be served not that he would be at, at that moment in time the earthly king to rule but to be that spiritual king and leader the one who would go to the cross and save us from our sin so jesus was sent by god the father to give his life a ransom for many to become our redeemer to pay the ransom for sin. And let me ask this. We, we know the answer to all these questions. I hope we do. Who has sinned? All. Romans 3.23 For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And, and this we know as we've gone through our study in the book of Romans that all are born of the seed of Adam except one. And who is the one? Jesus Christ. He wasn't born of man. He was born of God. That, that's why the, 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 the uh, uh, virgin birth is so important. Jesus Christ was not born of the seed of man. All others, because Adam fell, all others, every one of his seed, which is all of mankind, fell with Adam. In Adam, all fell. All received the imputed sin of Adam. So all fell. In, in Romans 3, 10, 
As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. All, all born into sin, all under the penalty of God's holy wrath. And what is the penalty? What is the penalty for sin? What is the cost of sin? What is the wage? Death, death. That's Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death. And then the good news, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So the punishment for sin before Almighty God was death. And if Jesus was to save His people from their sin, a payment, a ransom had to be made. And I would ask, who is worthy to pay such a ransom? Only one. Only one. Could any mere human have done this? No. No. No, in Psalms 49, verses 7 and 8. None of them can by any means redeem his brother, nor give to God a ransom for him. For the redemption of their souls is costly. No one can redeem another. No one can pay the penalty for sin for another. No one can can redeem their own soul. No one can pay that debt only one, and that was the perfect Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. He is the one. In Psalms 49, verse 15. But God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave. It it is God. Man can't do it, but God can. Through the death of His only begotten Son, only Jesus, the sinless, perfect Lamb of God, could pay the penalty for sin with His own life, with His own blood, It was the only way, and it is still the only way through the blood of Jesus Christ. These events that Jesus had foretold had to happen for us to have redemption. They must happen. John 3, verses 14 through 17. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Why? that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Might be saved from their sin. To be saved. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21. We read this verse There may not be a Sunday go by that I don't read this verse. I'm not sure. For He, for God, made Him, Jesus Christ, His only begotten Son, who knew no sin, to be what? Sin. He made His Son to be sin. For us. Put yourself in the verse. For you. Why? Why why would He do such a thing? Let's continue. That we might become the righteousness of God in Him, in Christ, in Christ alone. What happened on the cross is that God made Him, Jesus, to be sin. You talked about, Brother Brian, the suffering of Christ. I believe that that at that moment on the cross, when, when God the Father made His only begotten Son to be sin, to become sin, 
to bear the sin of us. When God crushed His only begotten Son and poured out His wrath upon Him, I I believe that was when Christ cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus takes upon Himself the very wrath of God that we might receive the the cure, that we we might be free from the curse. As we sang this morning, the, 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 the curse of sin has lost its grip on me. In Galatians 3, verses 13 and 14, Christ has redeemed us. He has purchased us. He has paid for us. That's what redemption is, to pay for some, to purchase them back. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse, having become sin, you see, for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Why? That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. That's why He came. That's why He went to the cross. That's why He took upon Himself sin and the wrath of God. And I pray that we can all see that without the death of Christ upon the cross, there would have been no ransom paid. There would have been no gospel. We would all yet be dead in our trespasses and sins. These things must happen. Now let's turn to 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. This is where the Apostle Paul gives us this tremendous gospel message that that talks of the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 15. We're going to read the first eight verses. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you, which also you received, and in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered you, first of all, that which I also received. And here's the the gospel. That Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve. After that he was seen by over five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to the present, but some have fallen asleep. They, they have died, they have fallen asleep. After that he was seen by James, then by all the apostles, then last of all he was seen by me also, as by one born out of due time. <laughs> Paul had a miraculous vision and and seeing Christ, didn't he? In in Romans 4, verse 25, and this is is in in talking of Jesus, it says, who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. See, Jesus was delivered up because of my, because of your offenses, your sin. God the Father delivered Him up, His only begotten Son. Who killed Jesus? The the, the soldiers? You see, in in a way, yes. But only through the hand and the providence of God. Look at Acts 2.23. 
This is Peter's sermon in Judea after Christ's resurrection and ascension. This is after that. So in Acts 2, verse 23, Him, Jesus Christ, being delivered, okay, being delivered up, being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God. So who delivered Him up? God. God, by, by his, his predetermined purpose. God delivered him up. Delivered by the determined purpose, foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death. But it is as God allowed for God's plans, for God's purposes, He allowed Christ to be delivered up. In Romans 8, verse 3, for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the law, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. So understand that the death of Jesus was the predetermined plan of God. God delivered up His Son because of my offenses, because of your offenses. In Romans 8, verse 32. He who did not spare His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all. Delivered up by God. No one took Jesus' life. Jesus laid it down. Never forget that. Willingly, in obedience to God the Father. In John 10, verse 18. No one, this is Jesus talking, no one, takes it from me, talking of his life. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my Father. He had come according to God's determined purposes and plan. Jesus willingly laid down his life so that he might redeem sinners. Now in Matthew 26, verses 53 and 54, or do you think that I cannot now pray to my Father and He will provide me with more than twelve legions of angels? Remember, remember this, this was, this was uh, in the garden. This was when He was betrayed. This was when Peter had taken the sword and lopped off the ear and, and put the sword away. Don't you know? I, I could call down legions of angels to, to take me from this place. And then verse 54, How then could the Scriptures be fulfilled that it must happen thus? These things must happen. Jesus came at the predetermined plan of God. These things must happen thus. Put away your sword, Peter. At any point, Jesus could have prayed and, and could have been spared. But He didn't. Why? God had a plan. Jesus made a determination to follow that plan. It, it, why? Why? Why would He go through all this? I, if you could break it down to one word, perhaps it would be this. Love. Love. Love for the Father. Love for me. Love for you. Romans 5, verse 8. But God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Can you fathom 
the depths of that, of that love. Let's read that in Hebrews 12. And just read verse 2 today. We looked at this last week as well too. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. See, the joy was not the suffering and pain. And again, as, as was brought in our, our devotion by Brian, Jesus in the garden in agony over this. To, to, to such a degree, to such agony, sweat mingled with blood. That, that's, that's agony. If possible, let this cup, this cup of wrath pass from me. But it wasn't possible. We, we would have not been saved. For, for, the, for God's determined purposes, this must happen. It, it, it must happen thus, as Jesus said. See, see, the joy, for the joy, for the joy was not the pain, the, the joy was in knowing what the suffering and death would accomplish. That was the joy. That this might bring many sons and daughters to God the Father. See, in Jesus Christ, a full and sufficient payment was made for the forgiveness and justification of all who would believe. Of all who would believe. So it was the resurrection. Uh, he, he was buried. He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. He was delivered up for our offenses and was raised because of our justification. Let, let, let's, let's look a little more now at the resurrection. Let, let's read that passage in Matthew 28. We're going to read a rather lengthy portion here, the, the first 15 verses. So uh, I, I pray that we could stay attentive uh, through the reading of God's Word. <clears throat> now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook with fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who is crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come, see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring the disciples' word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them. <laughs> Ooh, how would you like to bend that one? Running from the tomb, he's not here, he is risen, and then you meet him. <laughs> and as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, Rejoice! So they came and held him by the feet, by his, the feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Now while they were going, behold, some of the guard came into the city and reported to the chief priests all the things that had happened. 
when they had assembled with the elders and consulted together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers, saying, Tell them his disciples came at night and stole him away after while we slept. This is the ones who had the prophecy of the Messiah. This is supposed to be the learned men of Scripture. And, and, and were blind to who Jesus was. And instead of, of hearing all this and, and going, he was, he, he, He's the one. What they do? Here, here's what you, here's what you tell. Here's what you tell that that somebody came and overpowered you and and stole away the body. Now, now them telling such a story would mean certain death to them because this was their job, and, and to fail so terribly as that, it, it would have cost them their life. Well, let's keep reading. They they say that well, hey, we'll take care of it. And if this comes to the governor's ear, we will appease him and make you secure. Don't, don't worry, we'll take care of it. You won't lose your life. So they took the money and did as they were instructed. You see, these guys were good at giving away money, weren't they? They gave Judas money. Tell us where he is. They, they had no problem giving soldiers money. Create this lie. Create this lie. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. They still don't believe Jesus is who He was. They still do not believe in the resurrection. He is risen. How do we know He is risen? Well, we accept it by faith. But, but aren't you thankful that God has given us infallible proofs? Aren't you thankful for that? The, the, the Apostle Paul tells the Corinthians that the risen Christ was seen by many different groups of people and that one group was some 500 people. That was verse 6. and Let's just read that verse, verse 6 in uh, 1 Corinthians 15. And that He, Jesus, was seen by over 500 brethren at once. A group of 500 people. This room will not hold 500 people if this is crammed full. That's a lot of people. And the risen Christ was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to this day, are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Some have died. Remember, uh, th this was written some 20, 25 years after the resurrection. And so here, here Paul is saying, look, look, there, there's many eyewitnesses that are still alive. If you don't believe me, if you don't believe what I'm writing in this letter, you go talk to them. They will tell you that Christ is risen. And these eyewitnesses of the risen Christ, I believe, are an important part of the gospel. Uh, it, it gives empirical evidence that Christ had truly risen. And, and I thank the Lord that He's provided these eyewitnesses because without eyewitnesses, there would have been doubts, wouldn't there? Yeah, there, there would have been doubts. If there was no eyewitnesses, if, if the visitors had gone to the tomb and saw it was empty and there was no appearance of Jesus, what would have been their thoughts? Somebody did come and steal him away. If they've taken the body, there would have been questions, there would have been doubts. Or if, if the only ones that were given testimony was the disciples or, or was Jesus' family, would have there been doubt? If it was just them? 
I, I believe, yes, there would have been. Well, yeah, they're saying all this, but they were his, his followers. That, that's his family. But for 40 days, different groups saw the risen Christ in Acts 1, the first three verses. Think of that. 40 days. The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and preach, and this is talking about uh, after, the after the resurrection, until the day in which he was taken up, after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Seen by a group of 500, seen by... We, we don't have record of all the different ones that he went to and was seen by. Eyewitness accounts that gave infallible proofs to the resurrection. Yes, we accept all of these things by faith, but I am so thankful God has provided these things, infallible proofs. Because if Christ is not risen, there is no gospel. Is, is the resurrection important? Yes. Without the resurrection, no gospel. In, in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 14 through 19. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty, and your faith is also empty. That's just getting to the point, isn't it? Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that He raised up Christ whom He did not raise, if in fact the dead do not raise. Now, here's what I believe. Every one of these disciples died, were killed, let's put it that way. Because they stood for Christ, His death, burial, and resurrection. Now, how many men are going to die for a lie? I, I don't think, I, I think when it would come down to it, it would be, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute, no, no. This, this, yeah, we stole the body away, or he didn't rise, we, No. These guys gave their very lives believing, knowing that Christ was raised from the dead. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. See, there's the importance of the resurrection. Then also those who have fallen asleep, those who have died in Christ, have perished. If there is no resurrection of the dead, when you die, you're dead. That's it. There is nothing else. They have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most pitiable. If Christ is not risen, our faith is groundless. Our preaching is empty. Faith is empty. If Christ is not risen, our, our faith is futile. We're still in our sins. It's not enough just to believe that Christ died for your sins. It's not enough. You must also believe in the resurrection. Romans 10 verse 9 that we read almost every Sunday. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has what? Raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. We must, 
We must believe in the resurrection. It is foundational. It is fundamental. If Christ is not risen, then we have no hope. But what hope would we have? Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If we have, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most pitiable. See, Christ's resurrection is a guarantee of the future resurrection of His people. So if Christ is not risen, then this guarantee is worthless. In 1 Peter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a what? Living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. See, a lot of people have this attitude. Let's eat, drink, and be merry because uh, tomorrow we may die. They have no hope beyond death. They die, they perish, it's end, done. No hope. If Christ is not risen, then this world is it for all of us. No hope beyond death. But Christ did rise, and we have hope. Paul wrote to some bereaved Christians in Thessalonica who had, who had lost relatives and friends. Oh, what about these who have died? What about these who, who we have buried? What about these? 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 and 14. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep. And we've already determined this means they have died. Of those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. Well, they died before Christ came back. See, that's what they were thinking. They, they died. Well, well what now? They, they've already died. And, and Christ hasn't returned. Verse 14, For if we believe that Christ died and rose again, even so God will bring with Him those who sleep in Christ, those who are dead in Christ. At His return, the dead in Christ will rise. I don't know how all this is going to transform, but it's going to be something. It's going to be something. Can you even fathom it? When we die... To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. We immediately go to be with the Lord in our spirit. To the thieves on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. We go to be with the Lord. And then, is there any way to even fathom what is going to transpire? A new body. A new heaven. A new earth. Glorious. Glorious. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with Him those who sleep in Jesus. Then verse 18. Drop down to verse 18. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. You see, there's comfort in time of death. <laughs> there's blessed hope that we will see our our friends and loved ones who have died in Christ. See, we have a sure expectation of a bodily resurrection. Our body will not stay in the grave. We will rise again with Christ. There's a song we sing, The Lord is My Salvation. That fifth verse, talk, when I was thinking of this, this verse came to mind. And when I reach my final day, 
He will not leave me in the grave, but I will rise. He will call me home. The Lord is my salvation. The course who is like the Lord, our God, strong to save faithful in love. My debt is paid and the victory won. The Lord is my salvation. And that's it. He will, child of God, He will not leave us in the grave. He will not leave us there. But He will come for us and He will call for us. We are not of all men most pitiable. If we're in Christ, then we have every reason to be the most joyful people on the earth. The people of great hope. In, in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 51 through 58, I love this one. We're talking about resurrection and resurrection power. Behold, Paul says, I tell you a mystery. <laughs> and it is a mystery, isn't it? There are things, secret things that belong to the Lord and how He will make them all transpire and come to be. It's for the Lord. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible, see, this, this is corruptible, this old mortal body that we're walking in right now. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But, but thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brother, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. The, the guarantee... Christians have victory in death and over death because of the victory of Jesus Christ in His own resurrection. We don't have to fear death. We don't have to fear the grave because Jesus has taken away the sting of death. Aren't you thankful? Aren't you thankful? We have blessed hope that because Christ rose, we too will rise. Jesus said this in John 14 verse 19. A little while longer and the world will see me no more. But you will see me because I live. You will live also. <laughs> oh, we sang it earlier. Can we sing the chorus of that? Because he lives. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because He lives, all fear is gone. Because I know 
He holds the future, and life is worth the living just because He lives. Paul said, I, I tell you the gospel, the good news. Jesus died. He was buried. He rose again. He was seen. Let me ask you this. Has the gospel been pre presented today? Well, here, I, here, here's what the Word of God says in Romans 10, verse 17. So then faith comes by hearing. Hearing what? Hearing the Gospel. Hearing the Gospel. And hearing by the Word of God. John 11, verse 25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. It comes down to the answer to the question, do you believe? It always does. It always does. Romans 10, verses 9 through 13. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the Scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just... I just want to say thank you, Lord. Thank you for the indescribable gift of Jesus Christ. Thankful that you have provided a way of redemption through Jesus Christ. His death, His burial, His resurrection. Thank you, Lord, for resurrection power. Thank you, Lord, for the power in the blood of Jesus Christ. And Father, I, I pray that should there be someone who has heard this sermon and they are yet lost in their sin, that by a miracle of grace and mercy, Lord, that You would give them those ears to truly hear. Not just the sound, but within their very being. Spiritually, Lord. But let them hear the gospel. And Lord, I pray that you would breathe into them new life. Lord, that you would grant them faith that is a gift from you, Lord. Grant them that gift of faith that they might believe. And in seeing and, and believing, Lord, that they would just cry out to you confessing their sin. And Lord, that they might turn from their sin and, and follow You the remainder of their days. So Lord, perform a miracle of mercy that only You can do in calling people from the dead. 
because we were all once dead in our trespasses and sins. And Father, for those of us who are born again, who know Christ, I pray that You would help us every day to remember what Christ has done. That we would remember the awesome payment for sin that was accomplished through the cross that we would remember the power of the resurrection, that we would know and remember who we are in Christ, and that we would live our time here on this earth serving You as best we can. So Lord, pour out Your Spirit upon us as we remember Christ. We remember His shed blood. We remember His payment for sin. And as we remember the power of the resurrection. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.